There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hey friends, I'm Sophie and I'm Ari, and you're listening to Having a Night, Reviving the Lost Art of the Dinner Party 2021. 2021. Yep. I'm hoping it'll feel like time slows down a bit, just as we all kind of enjoy each other and these loosened restrictions. Just because time was so strange the past 14 months yeah. with um, our friend COVID. Yes, it is halfway through 2021, but I think this is going to be a long, leisurely, hot chip summer. I think so too. I do have this feeling that this summer is like, <laughs> I think mine has already started of just feeling like, eh, no need to have obligations. No need to really get out of bed too early. It's feeling very leisurely, mm-hmm. but I guess it just started. But I'm hoping that you're right. I'm making it my prerogative. Your summer officially started because we had a Memorial Day yesterday. What did you eat on Memorial Day? Um, so we did our big barbecue on Sunday night. Fun. As you know, my family likes to do dinners and not really midday things. And we made some really great barbecued chicken that we marinated um, overnight the night before with some soy sauce, garlic, beer, lime juice, a little bit of like the dregs of some barbecue sauce, threw that in there. Delicious, just thighs, hot Italian sausage. My dad said this thing, which I, I guess is true or to like uh, Italian Americans is true. Like if you're, if you're grilling chicken, you also always have to be grilling sausage. That's like just a rule in like red sauce America. Really? In like, as in for people who say mozzarella and prosciutto, Mm-hmm. Like if there's chicken on the grill, there's also there's must be sausage. Sausage. I mean, I actually, I do like that because I love sausage. And if I, given the choice of chicken or sausage, I'll probably go sausage, mm. but huh. That's just like one of those Italian American quirks. I love it. <laughs> you hate it. <laughs> Sophie is so sick about hearing about Italian Americans. Like if one more fucking guest comes on and talks about how they're Italian American and how they come together <laughs> over food, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. We'll get some good Germans on next I'll season. I'll my people, found my Germans. Ian, you should just start a spinoff with your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you say having a night in German? You and your dad can just do that. It can start as like 20 minutes post-show. Have mein Abend. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so much better. Anyway, so we had barbecue chicken. We had some corn, even though I always think Memorial Day is too early. And when I say think, I mean before I've eaten the corn. It's too early to have. It's way too early. But then you have the corn and it's delicious. And you're like, is that GMO corn? Because I do feel like I went to, um, I was at the farmer's market yesterday and was sort of crossing my fingers that like somehow there would be good tomatoes. No, no, it's Mm -hmm. way too early. We always think like, oh, summer produce means corn and tomatoes, but that doesn't hit till August, basically. Anyway. Okay. But you had the corn and it was good. Uh, Yeah. It was delicious. And it was good. And it was, and she, (laughs) indeed it was biblical. It was good. Uh, What else did we have? I made, okay. 
I made this fucking Allie Slagle slaw that is all over the New York Times. It's all up in my Instagram. Who's Allie Everyone's, she's a New York Times, you know. The uh, new Allison Roman? She's not the new Allison Roman. I'm not sure if she's Bon Appetit. I think she's Bon Appetit and New York Times because she's everywhere. I, I don't know what she looks like, how old she is. It seems like some of her recipes are great and God, people are pushing this slaw. It's um this slaw sounds very promising. It's a lemony tahini slaw with a lot of cabbage and snap peas cut lengthwise very thinly, which I think is great because then you kind of get all these like little peas. Yeah. Fly, you know what I mean? Like, some of them fall like- out. And I made it and I was just very underwhelmed and we were all super excited about it. I think my mom had accidentally sent it to me like three times, like once on Instagram, texted it to me and forwarded an email in which it was mentioned, like from the New York Times. It's like, okay, I'll make it. It was just a little one note, Allie Slagle. I thought, because usually people associate slaw, vinegar and mayonnaise, you get like a depth, you've got some like acid and sweet and this is the dressing is just mustard and tahini and lemon. And it just, it's too, well, it's too umami in a way. Almost like what you would want to like drizzle on something, which the fucking drizzle of the tahini, the drizzle of the yogurt, like we get it, we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, I can imagine that it's like, it, okay. What would you have done to doctor it? If you weren't following the recipe by rote? Um, I think I would have added some maybe some rice vinegar, Mm. some vinegar to brighten things up and just add more acidity. And maybe like in the dressing whisked in like a half teaspoon of sugar. I was about to say. Or honey. Yeah. And maybe some spice as well. I don't know. Or maybe like garlic, like just something to give it a little, I mean, garlic with a snap pea. I feel like the snap peas are so subtle that garlic might drown it out, but like just a yeah. touch could work, like a grated. Maybe there actually, maybe there was some grated garlic in there. There's a lot of lemon zest. Perhaps I used too much cabbage. I don't know, but there were capers in it as well. It just was too salty and tahini, and yeah. I wanted, I wanted more of a rainbow of flavor. Anyway, what did you eat this week? I was in Hawaii, which was fabulous. Um, I'm also determined to start calling it Hawaii, which I realize is probably really annoying to anyone who's around me, but like that is the correct pronunciation. So I'm trying to be better about it. God, we had some good fish. I mean, it feels like a really bad cliche to say that like poke was one of the best meals that I had in the last week, but it tastes completely different there. It's like actual huge, fresh chunks of ahi it's not drowned out in some wild and crazy sauce. There's some either finely chopped or not so finely chopped onion or a scallion, a little bit of shoyu and some sesame seed, uh, sesame seeds, maybe some toasted sesame oil. It's so simple because the fish is so good. And like, so lucky. Yeah. So, and then you just have it with a little bit of white rice and maybe there's like, you know, a couple of pieces of greens, local greens floating around somewhere or not local, whatever, some cabbage, but it's so good. And you feel so good after it. It feels like energizing in this way. Cause it feels like it just came from the ocean, not like yeah. it came from an ocean that was 3000 miles away. And then like went on a plane it into chunks and, you know, yeah. Can I co- ask a specific question? Please. When you go to like, when you're in Hawaii and you are at a pokey place, is it 
Is it similar to the ones that we now know in New York, Chicago, et cetera, where like it's in a, it's like the Chipotle? Like, no. are they putting different toppings on or is it like, this is what we made, have it? Yes, it's this is what we made, have it. So like, also, <laughs> there are not like shiny and bright right. and, right. you know, from made in the last four years, it's like a lot of them obviously have been around for a long time or a lot of them are like fish markets that also sell poke so it's like freshly made poke, but so they'll have like, um, like trays with whatever mm-hmm. they, so there'll usually be like an ahi poke. There'll often be, um, a taco, which is, um, blah, 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 octopus. octopus. Exactly. So it'll be like that kind of poke. And so you would choose whichever you want, but they're all like pre-made because they just get better the longer they sit in the marinade. So it's like oh. that morning and then they sit in the marinade and then they'll just like scoop a thing of white rice, put it on your plate. You could get other sides if you want. Like the classic of course is to get macaroni salad. Mm. Wow. So you do like macaroni salad and then what's in the macaroni salad. Too many questions. So mayo, obviously. So it's like a mayo-y macaroni salad. It's almost like a potato salad, but sub the potatoes for macaroni, except that I had a bite of Harry's the other day and it had potato salad with macaroni, which like, whoa. So the texture, like what made it kind of like what held the noodles together was potatoes. Interesting. A ton of mayo, maybe a little bit of celery, maybe some egg, like that kind of thing. I love that. Maybe this is the summer of uh, bringing pasta salad back into the the mix. We talk so much about potato salad and slaw, but maybe yeah. it's, I mean, it's the holy triumvirate of picnic style salads. I don't know what happens to pasta when it gets cold, but there is something about a cold pasta that I find like, boy, it's so satisfying. Yeah, it does. The texture is really nice. Maybe it's um, a bigger bite because it's not so hot. It gets a little firmer. Yeah. You know, it's like more of a mouthful. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Anyway, so... Hawaii was fantastic. And like, you just, I mean, getting to eat that much fresh fruit, it's really, it's a delight. Anyway, Mm. well, today on our episode, what we're actually doing, I'm going to interview Ari, which I'm so excited about because I feel like we talk all the time, but actually getting to interview you and ask you big, deep questions about you and philosophies, we haven't gotten to do. Okay, I hope that I have good answers. Oh my God, you're going to have the best answers. But we're going to kick it off just to loosen us up with a quick fire. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think you're going to like it. I'm ready. I will like it. This is good. It's like a warm up. I feel like. Exactly. This is the food version of Zip Zap Zop. Are you going to be judging all of my answers in the quick fire? No, no, because I already probably know what you would say for how. Actually, not for all of them. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready? Chicken thigh or drumstick? Chicken thigh. Salted or unsalted butter? Salted. Macadamia nut or raw cashew? Macadamia. Whoa. That was Lipstick bold. or lip gloss? Stick. Dress or pants? Oh, pants. White or red? Wine. White. Lemons or limes? Limes. Olives or pickles? Olives. Tahini or yogurt? Yogurt. Great. You did wow. great. Of course, I <sighs> your answers. I thought those were kind of good though. Olives or pickles, I thought was a very 
strong? You know, it's just these these answers could depend. These aren't lifelong commitments. This is just my mood right now. You know what I mean? It could be pickles tomorrow. Could right. be pickles later tonight. No one who it's yeah, it's like the desert island chip question. It's like you're not actually gonna end up on the desert island with only that chip. Like it's okay. You can choose whatever mm-hmm. your favorite is of the moment. Yeah, I'm not racking my brain over this. Yes, precisely. So now that we have that out of the way, okay, I want to go back, 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 back to the very beginning mm-hmm. and talk about who were or are your culinary ex- uh, inspirations. Like, who did you grow up cooking with, watching cook? Whose food did you grow up eating? What got you interested in it? I was, I had a feeling you would ask this. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, obviously, I feel like it goes without saying, but since a, a, many people don't know me that well, uh, my dad, and there is an episode when I interview my dad and talk a lot about cooking in our family, but my dad is a amazing, amazing home cook. Um, he's much to Sophie's dismay. He is Italian. No, <laughs> sorry. Yet another Americans <laughs> just want to acknowledge that other cultures also come together over food. Okay. <laughs> yes, that is totally fair. His parents came from Italy. They opened a restaurant. So they had a restaurant, but they also, the, the restaurant eventually closed. Then they had like a takeout uh, pizza operation that was in their basement. Um, they also were always making sauces and pickling things, making marinara sauce, just all different kind of Italian type things to sell and, and to keep just if they had a great big garden when he was growing up. So to, you know, pickling vegetables. Did you get to cook with them? Yes. With my, with my Noni, with my Nona. Um, so I have very, very, um, visceral, deep, clear memories of like her teaching me how to fold certain pasta shapes um, and how to make this filling of uh, tortellacci that my family always makes with spinach and ricotta. And so there's a lot of that. I was always really hands-on in the kitchen. I always really liked to cook with my dad, but also my mother. My mother's a fantastic cook. And so cooking with both of them, they always cook dinner for uh, the five of us every night, you know, unless we had plans. So it was really sitting, sitting down together. You know, this is obviously when I was really young, pre-cell phone. So it wasn't like people were distracted, but that was a really good tradition that formed how I think about dinner time and, and the reverence I have for it. So there's that. I think in terms of like chefs, I did, unlike Sophie, watch some, not a lot, but some TV growing up. And I was kind of obsessed with the Food Network. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, I'm not like I was influenced by Julia Child. Although, sure, I did watch some old Julia Child and Jacques Pepin when they would, like, work together sometimes. But I also went through a phase in, like, middle school. And I think there are a lot of people in our age group who like to cook who who would agree. I watched, like, obsessed, obsessively watched Chopped. Ooh, and I yeah, yeah. and Top Chef when it when it came out for like the first seven seasons, like avid watcher. I do think I learned like a lot by binging those shows. Like yeah. just being like, oh, I you know he doesn't have enough time to make that ice cream, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just like oh, that chicken, that dark meat's not going to finish cooking. You know, I've just picked up on all of these things just by watching these competition shows. Well, I also. Um, Pop, there's that thing of of looking at different ingredients and most yes. of which you probably tasted in your life and thinking to yourself, like, 
what would I do? I mean, I all I still do that all the time. Of course, it's like if Harry and I watch. Yes, we started watching Top Chef from season one, um, and so like cute. you know, they give them those kinds of challenges, and it's so. I think it just encourages your palate to to think in a different way. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, I don't have like one. There isn't really a chef. Like obviously, Gabrielle Hamilton and Blood Bones and Butter was so. Oh influential when I read it. And um, she's just so amazing going to prune and also moving to New York at a young age and just going out a lot and seeing how food was changing and and trying to predict where it was going and and eating, trying to then having, being in grad school, cooking for myself, having a CSA box, being forced to really cook seasonally helped shape who I am in the kitchen today. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking about this with you in particular, when you're just talking about like cooking in grad school and stuff, what were you eating when you were in college? Like most people obviously are eating in the dining hall, they're eating ramen, whatever. But I feel, I have this feeling that like maybe you were already cooking properly in college. Were you? Not until senior year. At Vassar, we really like, you have to, you pretty much have to live in the dorms and for three years and it's, you don't have a kitchen. We always had a mini fridge and we would, you know, I would like put avocados in there and like little snacks. And sometimes I would bring like a good cheese or an avocado to the dining hall. We did have, you know, like a stir fry station. So I would get like creative in there. Right. Um, Oh, like you would go up to the person and be like bamboo shoots or whatever. No, no. Like you could, you could, it was like a bunch of burners that there were probably like 20 and everyone, you could. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Oh my God. Oh, I would have been Um, at the stir fry station every day. Yeah. So there was a little of that, but you know, it was just like crap. I actually think I was cooking way more in high school and then like it stopped because of college. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then senior year I started cooking more. I feel like college does this. It actually like in some ways arrests your development in that way. Like all of the ways in which you would usually be, yeah, encouraged to explore in those ways. Suddenly, especially if you're at a college where you kind of have to live on campus, that's like not an option. I think that that must be changing. I think food is becoming and cooking is becoming more of a, 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 res, a respectable and recognized as an important like hobby as opposed yeah. to just like people, the kids need to eat and then they need to keep going to class. Like I think there must I don't know. We should check in with some college kids and ask how it is nowadays because we are Seriously. old, old curmudgeons. I don't know. Well, we're not curmudgeons. We're not curmudgeons. We are, we are older old. than college age. Yeah. What foods, just going back to your family and stuff, like what foods carry the most nostalgia for you? What foods really remind you of your childhood? Um, certain pastas, for sure. There's this cheese that I... I feel like the, I don't even know what it's called. It's tiny. It's packed in foil. It's sold individually. It's not like a laughing cow. It's round. Um, it's like bell something maybe. Not a baby bell. No, no. Oh, so maybe I'm actually confusing it. No, no, no. It's really, really soft. And it's like Ooh. nice. It's like a spreadable cheese, but it also can melt. So my mom would sometimes make us a bowl of those little tiny star pastas. Do you know what I mean? They're like teeny, teeny, tiny. Yes. Oh, so yummy. It's almost like rice size. Yes. I think you're supposed to put them like in broth, but we would just have them like in this dense bowl, like spoonfuls of carbs with like that melted cheese. Like that just sounds so good. So simple, but, um, gosh, (laughs) my mom made this like peanut 
salad, like noodle salad the other day. And I was like, wow, this tastes just like middle school. This is so good. Like, oh my God. That's hard. I I mean, I was not a picky eater. We would eat everything. So did you bring, did you have to bring lunch to school? Of course not. But sometimes we did. Okay. I feel like my mom, yeah, would, would for the most part, make us really nice sandwiches. Um, Cause the cafeteria was like, and my parents were like, don't eat that. By the time we got into high school, we could sign out. Right. So we would just go out to oh, eat lunch. My God. When you get that, the, I remember that like becoming, you know, I think for us, it was maybe like halfway through ninth grade or beginning of 10th grade when suddenly, yeah, you can go off campus for lunch. It's like a mm-hmm. big deal. But of course for us, the only thing around was pizza. Like you guys probably had real things around, right? Yeah. We would go to Pop Belly. We would go. There were all these different sandwich places that teeny tiny great that have now since closed. There was this place right by our rival school called Fresh Choice, like this random place that had like such good sandwiches and smoothies. Uh, we would go there. Sometimes we would drive downtown. We were, you know, we would go to this place, Postable, all the time and get like this insane pasta. Par- uh, it was called Farfalle Polo and it was like <laughs> chicken far- and farfalle, like bow tie pasta, sun-dried tomatoes, mushrooms, peas, so much <laughs> Parmesan cheese. Like just like eat that and then go back to class. I yeah. I wish I had still had that metabolism. And by that, I don't mean like, I wish I could eat that and be thin. I mean, I wish I could eat that and still, and not fall asleep. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Passing out. <laughs> Passing out if I had that now. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm done. Wake me up for dinner. <laughs> Farfalle polo? Yes. I That's what this dish was called. We all got it. Yeah. I mean, just like, like farfalle and chicken. Like an Italian bar or something. Oh, Come to the farfalle yeah. polo. Thai chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a period where you like kind of just didn't care so much about food, where you didn't think about it as much? No. Come on, next question. <laughs> <laughs> fair. No, totally fair. Or like when you thought about it differently. I mean, I feel like I'm always thinking about food. There are times still when I'm super duper busy and have a lot of work, namely like probably when I'm doing a play, but also in grad school where it's like, I cannot afford to feel tired, to feel sick, to feel less than like fully energized because especially when you're doing a play, like you have to perform that night, Yeah, you know, and you have to, and you're going to want to feel good. So then I think I get into a more of a food as fuel mode. I'm just more in tune with like, you know, I'm not, I want to eat things that, like you said about the poke earlier, that feel like immediately absorbed into my blood and I'm just energized. And I, I, that feeling of like being light and clean. So I tend to eat like more fish, vegetables, proteins, but you know, I, I'm still, I'm still like, I'm wanting, always wanting to enjoy the food that I'm eating. It's never yeah. like, oh, I can just turn that off. So I just, just recalibrating certain, um, certain flavors, starches, fats, so that I feel, yeah, more, more energized. Yeah. Well, I also think there's an element of like predictability with certain things of like, you know, that you're performing that night and like eating something where you know how you're going to feel as opposed to being like, let me chance it. Like I've never had a whole falafel before, you know, an hour before going on. Yeah. So right. And it's like, I will tend to eat the same things for lunch, like pretty much every day. And then for dinner, I'll make like a big stew and have that until it's gone. Working in LA, I was just working in LA a couple of weeks ago. And I, it was, I was, it was like a pretty nerve wracking project in a very wonderful and amazing way. But my appetite was like shot. Like I Mm -hmm. could not find my appetite to save my life. And as someone who loves to eat, that was 
quite alarming, but it's also having to think about food only as fuel. On the one hand, it takes that element out, right? It's like, it, you don't need to use that part of your brain. And on the other hand, it's like sort of sad because you're like, oh, this thing that I usually take so much joy in thinking about is suddenly, you know, just like has been extracted from my life. Right. It just feels like there's a void. Yeah. It feels like a little lonely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you were doing a play for like a very long run at a certain point, you'd probably be like, oh, screw it. Like, yeah, I think you start to test a little bit. Like when that has, yeah. When I've definitely like been doing a play that's run for a while and then like, no, maybe I will have like, you know, some dumplings before the tonight's show. I think I'll be fine. Or maybe I will have like a glass of champagne or a mar- even like a martini before the show and I'll <laughs> still be fine. I've done this a hundred times. Right. But yeah, I do think when you're working, 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 especially like long hours on set, like with that mil- the movie you were shooting, that can definitely decimate an ad- uh, appetite. I had been expecting to I get like, really oh, okay. thirsty. Yes, I know. Chugging water nonstop. Speaking yeah. of, oh my God, guys, I got this new jug. It's by Whoa. Iron Flask, um, which actually it's funny. The director has this one and I copied her. Um, it's a half a gallon of water. So it's 64 pure ounces of hydration, baby. Is it so heavy? Um, it's really heavy, but I'm enjoying carrying it around New York City, getting my arm workout as I do. But I don't know. I feel very like here I am just nonstop hydrating. I'm going to drink more water if there's if I'm holding more water. It's not, you know, I don't want a teeny tiny Nalgene. Exactly. Oh, no, it's gone in three seconds. I know um, that makes no sense, but you could just keep filling it, but I won't. Yes. Well... <laughs> Also, a lot of places, not to get lost on like a water tangent, but a lot of places have now like shut off their refill your water situation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? They're like, oh, water fountains are carriers of disease, which is not true. But anyway. I mean, can I just add to that like side vent? I am so sick of this weird like carryover from early COVID. Like uh, some of some of the stuff that we were doing, like I went into Credo, which is like a Sephora, but like all natural beauty. And I wasn't like dipping something, something and putting it on my eye. I just like took, you know, into a lip gloss, a little, uh, you know, a little brush thingy, like a, like a disposable dabber, put it in and just put it on my hand. And this woman was like, stop, stop. If you would like to see any samples, we have to do it for you. And I was like, first of all, what's the difference if if that's the rule, but like also shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like that we're beyond that. Exactly. Like most coffee places now still, if I bring in a refillable coffee cup, like they won't let me use it. It's all, I know. So I'm like, guys, the, what is it called? The smear factor, the smear. Yeah. Smear contagion. It's like not a thing. I know. I agree. But I feel like it just gives people a real sense of security and also a sense of like being able to lord it over people of being like, you can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need that. So since we were talking about acting and plays and all of that stuff, do you find, do you think that there is an overlap of acting and hosting or like entertaining and entertaining? Yes, um, I do. I think theater people, mm, uh, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, they like to be around other people. They're social creatures. They like to have people over. I think there's a definitely... Um, doing film and TV different because people get off at different times. And it's usually like, all right, these like next 21 days, like two months, like you're just working, 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 working nonstop. 
But with plays, it's like you get to a point once the show's running, you're not rehearsing anymore, then like everyone's done at the same time. And even if that's like 1130, then it becomes a thing. Well, no one, no one has work in the morning until we get to the theater at 6 p.m. So we're all going to go over to so-and-so's house at 12 and, and like have a cocktail and some snacks. So there's that ritual, which I just love so much. And I think just it's true. Entertainment. How can you do it in one part of your life and not not want to do it in all? But at the same time, I feel like I know so many actors who don't who who enjoy going to parties or theater people, right? Who like enjoy going to parties and like being social, but they don't actually want to do the act of hosting, which I totally understand. Yeah. There's something about you, I think, that is obviously like attracted to the actual element of hosting that I think mm. a lot of people are not, right? It's like how many actors have we spoken to who are like, oh yeah, I've never cooked a meal in my life. That's true. I, you're probably, I think you're right. I think I'm, I was quick to answer and maybe didn't listen to the specifics of your no, question. I think yeah. people do like to entertain who entertain on stage or on screen. They like to entertain whether it's at their home. Uh, you know, They like to be the life of the party. I think yes. people like to hold court. They like to socialize. They like to make people laugh. They like people listening to them. Um, they don't necessarily like to um, cook for others. We're a rare breed, Sophie. We. <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> We're well, the only ones. We're the only actors who also like to cook. There's always a couple in the cast and it's nice. Yes, it's true. It's very true. But you're right, I think, about that element of like wanting to entertain both on stage and off, that feeling of like what I call like being the sparkliest person in the room, like that desire that I think is like both endemic to a lot of actors. But then I also realize it's like, first of all, obviously actors are just human beings, but I feel like often there are actually those actors who are like, I don't want to be on in any way when I'm around other people. Like I kind of just want to shrink into the background kind of thing. That happens. Yeah. I get that. Okay. We often talk about this idea of like hosting as being an act of generosity. Expand on that a little bit. It's one of those things in life. I find that uh, it works both ways and that it feels gratifying because you are serving others and you are giving them a gift and you are inviting them into your home and you're, you're feeding them. But on a, the other hand, like on the more selfish side, like you feel uh, like you've accomplished something and you feel, yeah, you just, you feel like you've done something good that day. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's just, um, it's a lovely thing to do for like your mental health. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, and it's great for, it is, it's, it's a really nice thing to do for other people. I just think it's such an easy way to show people that you love them and you care about them. It's just having them over, over for dinner or dropping food off um, to their house, which became more of a thing for more people in this past year. Yeah. What, what, what's your philosophy of food? What's your philosophy of eating, of food, of hosting? trying your best to, like I said before, go out of your way to make people, others feel loved and fed will, will make you feel good. Like never underestimate how good it will make you feel as stressful as it can seem. I think now more so like keeping things local, trying to support not only your friend group, but those in your community. Yeah. Um, meaning like people who are farming in your community, who are, um, you know, raising chickens, fish, whatever, just just shopping local and supporting the land and the earth, um, obviously being mindful of sustainability. So seasonality, localism, sustainability are like 
three things that I, I don't think are unique to me, but I, I, I'm a bit shocked by how um, people who are really into food sometimes just don't think about that. Yeah. So as long as I can think about that and instead of, you know, proselytizing about it or holding it over others' heads, like just doing it through the food, I think letting the food speak for itself mm-hmm. is somewhere in there as well. Like not, not being too precious is something that cooking has taught me. Um, and I think it's a good life lesson. You know, you might make a mistake and it, but at the end of the day, it's just food. Yes. And it's okay if, if everything's not finished when people come over. So I think just being able to let go and, and, and move on, you know, that, that's the other thing that the timeline of cooking, like it just doesn't stop. It doesn't, you're just, you get on the train and then you're on it. And I was actually reading some more Gabrielle Hamilton, just some interviews that she had done earlier. And she was saying how cooking is a great activity because it keeps her hands busy and lets her mind feel free to wander and kind of fix things, which is exactly how I feel, Gabrielle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why I love to do it. I think I, as someone who can get a bit anxious or hard on myself when I, when I don't have my hands available to distract me with other things, when it's like, Oh, they're doing this one thing. I, I find that my, mind can breathe. And also if I'm working on a show or doing something else creative or thinking about having a night, like that's when I will have great ideas too. My imagination will just kind of like awaken. Yeah. Like if I start cooking and I feel like tired, I'll, I'll definitely perk up. Yeah. But also that thing that you're saying about like allowing for the fact that it's never going to be perfect. It's like, that Mm -hmm. is actual, that is actually what's very Zen about it. It's like at a certain point, First of all, it's like a mandala, right? It's like you spend all of this time trying to create this thing that's beautiful and an attempt at perfection, and then you're going to eat it, and eventually it's going to end up, you know, in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the lack of a more elegant way of putting that, but um, yeah, beautiful. Okay, I have two more questions, but these are really easy. Great. Okay, if you were a fruit, what fruit would you be? Or you could oh do any flavor if you prefer. Ice cream flavor, if I prefer. Oh my gosh, I don't know what fruit I would be. Um, actually, I just had like it rained down on me. I think you might be a pineapple. Oh my god, that's. I feel flattered. You should feel flattered. It's a fantastic fruit. It's like beautiful. It has so much going on, but then the actual flavor is like, oh my god, impossible to pinpoint and so exciting. It's tart, but oh. it's also sweet. That's so nice. Thank you. You're the sweetest best friend ever. The gods just told me that you're a pineapple. How cool. And the last question is, which, come on, I can't not ask you. Desert Island chip. Yeah. The Desert Island 2021 chip for me is, uh, I think maybe, um, is it Hal's? Is that the new like potato chip? Yeah. Hal's like a, um, do they, are they making a, they must make a salt and vinegar, but they're like a, you know, they're like a kettle chip, but lighter. If you guys haven't had them, um, they're like a Cape Cod, but, but lighter, they're like less dense, but they're not oh. as light as a Lay's. Oh, cause I was going to say, right. The Lay's is the ultimate light chip. Yeah. yeah. These are listeners no. needed like a point of reference. Yeah. Well, well, Ari, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was so exciting. I've never been on a podcast before. 
<laughs> well, you really did great for your first time. You did just wonder. I was so nervous. Are you sure? I'm going to have to edit a lot of this out. Can I get your editor's number? <laughs> uh, All right. Okay, well, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. We'll see you for chip hour too. Oh yeah. 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 We're back on chip hours and PS guys, we are wrapping up our third season. We will be back for a fourth season, but we're giving ourselves a small break. We don't know how long, but uh, we're figuring it all out. So we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for interviewing me, Sophie. That was fun. You're welcome. Thank you for talking to me. (laughs) 